So last week we read about how Philip was one of the chosen to take over the ministry of the distribution of food, clothes, and money to the widows of the early church. Today we're in Acts chapter 8, verses 26 to 38. And and this week we'll be reading about how God continued to be at work in Philip's life. And how God continued to use him in some pretty amazing ways in ministry. Philip is not locked into one particular role. In our passage this morning, we're going to read about how God used him to evangelize an entire country. How God used Philip and how God sets up the situation in which he uses Philip are wonderful and encouraging reminders for us of how God is still moving and arranging meetings for his people today. Acts chapter 8, verses 26 to 40. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and went, and there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all of her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, Go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah, the prophet, and asked, Do you understand what you're reading? And he said, How can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep he was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb before its shears is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe this generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, About whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this? About himself or about someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop. And they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word, for your word is truth. God, I pray that you'd speak through your word today, that you would perform the miracle that feeds our souls. Praise in your name. Amen. So today, we're going to spend some time talking about trust. Trust. And we're going to ultimately ask the question, do we trust the Spirit? Do we trust the Holy Spirit, God, one part of the Trinity, the giver of gifts, the comfort and guide that we have been given by God, that has been sent by God to be with us as we walk this mortal plane, as we walk the earth? Do we trust the Spirit? Now, some of us may find it hard to trust anything in our our present day and age. Fake news is a term that is getting thrown around a lot. And while the term may be slightly misleading, there's a reason behind it, right? I mean, most of our outlets designed to give us information, news on television, newspapers, magazines, etc., have stopped just giving us facts and have begun to throw in opinion dressed up as facts which can be incredibly misleading. This week, Karen and I watched The Post, which was a pretty good movie. And 
and whether or not, and it was about whether or not the Washington Post was going to take a stand for the First Amendment and publish the Pentagon Papers, which were classified documents regarding the 30-year involvement of the United States government and the Vietnam War. What struck me about the movie was that the stories they were publishing were not opinion pieces dressed up as news stories. They weren't expressing their opinion about the last 30 years of government. It was just saying, this is what's happened. This is what's going on. They were printing the facts of what happened and letting the public decide what their opinion should be about it. They let the facts rule the day. One of the central points of the movie dealt with the struggle of the characters to separate their relationships and their politics from the need to report the news, to report the facts. Our outlets for information have given up on this almost entirely, and so we find it hard to trust what we hear, read, or sometimes even see these days. And trust is not, you know, it's not something we give away easily. There's that saying, trust needs to be earned, right? We have to know a person or a source of information for a while, build a relationship with them before we're willing to really trust them. Unless, unless you're a baby, right? Anyone, anyone like held a little baby right about the time that they're just able to sit up on their own? One of my, one of my favorite things to do with my sons when they were about that age is, you know, yeah, you grab them just, just under the bum, so they're sitting in your hands. Not, not under the arms, because then you're cheating. You gotta do it right under the bum and you just lift them up at arm's length. Oh, it's fantastic. When, when they're young, they just fully trust you. And it's just, oh, they're loving it. They got their arms out, like everything's fine. They have no fear whatsoever. It, it's, it's awesome. And, and their eyes just get huge and they light up. They've got this whole new vantage point. They've got this whole new way of viewing the world and they have no fear. They are confident in the one holding them, the one supporting them. They have complete trust in that person. Now, you may say, you're the father. You know, they they trust you already. They know you. And sure, you can make that argument, but, I mean, if I was to hand that child to pretty much anyone that had the strength to lift them, it'd be the same thing. I, I watched it happen. It's fun. It's exciting. Now, the parent... Right? They go, whoa, why, why, are you holding, why, why are you holding my child like that? That is not safe. <laughs> That's not safe. But, but then the individual with trust issues is, uh, is the parent, not the child. But ba- and babies, they just trust. It's just in them until they reach a certain age. Now, I don't know what it is. I don't know when it happens. It's different for each child. But there comes a time when the baby doesn't want to be extended like that anymore. No longer do their eyes fill with wonder. Now they fill with fear. And they lean towards you, arms extended. Bring me back. I, I don't, I'm, it's not safe up here. I don't know what you're doing. This isn't a good idea. Bring me back. Bring me back to where I feel comfortable, to where I feel safe. At some point, they outgrow their trust. Have we outgrown our trust in the Spirit. You know, we're comfortable with the Father. We get the Father. He's the Creator. He's the Protector. He's powerful and mighty. Right? Name above all names. He's God. And He's the one who sent Jesus. And we're pretty comfortable with Jesus. 
Jesus, who became man, who went through and was tempted by all that we are tempted by and all that we have gone through, and he did not give in, but remained perfect. And though man, he was still God, and so because of his perfect and sinless life that he shared with us, he was able to take our sin and die for us. He's our protector in another way. Because he did what what we could not so that we could be safe, so that we could be with God. And he's powerful in that he overcame death and rose from the grave. And and through faith, we are joined with him. So when Father, when, when God looks at us, he doesn't see our sin, he sees his son. And so we are white as snow before the seat of judgment, declared innocent, declared not guilty, all because of Jesus, because of our faith in Jesus. And while all of that can seem like a lot to take in, can seem, yeah, maybe sometimes a little crazy from some, some perspectives, I mean, we get it. It probably helps that it was in the past and not something that we experience now, but we're comfortable with Jesus. Are we comfortable with the Spirit? We trust in the power of God, the promises of God, the sacrifice and love of Jesus. Do we trust the Spirit? Tell you what, Philip did. In our text today, Philip was just hanging out, right? He's just kind of doing his thing. When an angel appears to him and told him to go to a particular road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he went. And when Philip reached the spot that the angel had told him to go to, he saw a chariot. And and seated in the chariot is a man, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, the queen of Ethiopia. In fact, our passage today tells us that he was her treasurer. This is an important guy. This is a guy with influence. Verse 29 of our passage today reads, And the Spirit said to Philip, Go over and join this chariot. God says, Go go to the chariot, Philip. Go talk to this guy. Get over there. You ever been in like a coffee shop and, and had God like kind of whisper you, nudge you, tell you that you should go talk to somebody? <laughs> or maybe you're sitting watching a baseball game or, or maybe you're next to someone in a library or a restaurant and you know you're supposed to talk to the person that's serving you your food. Or maybe you're just walking down the street and you see them coming from a block away and you, you, you hear the nudge, right? You get the nudge. God's telling you, go on. Go on and join that chariot. Talk to this person about me. And you start sweating, man. You're like, oh boy. Me? No way. You've got the wrong person. I'm, <laughs> I'm not good at this stuff. And you know, I kind of want to pull like a Jonah and just, no, I'm, I'm going to take a left here. I'm, I'm out. I'm gone. You know, they're, they're a block away, but I'm, I'm out of here. I, I don't want to deal with this. Why? Why do we get scared? Because it's scary. Approaching that chariot is scary, man. Talking to someone that you haven't really met is scary. We don't, we don't know that person. We don't know what they've done or where they've been. We don't know what they're going to think of some crazy person hopping up in their life and, and talking to them about a very divisive historical figure. We're that child often, I think. We're that child that's grown just a little too old. And we're being held out by an adult and we're leaning forward with everything we've got. Trying to get back to to where we're comfortable. 
where we feel safe, back where we trust that everything is going to be okay. What Philip didn't know before he he went and he he followed what, what the Spirit was telling him to do, what he didn't know, what he couldn't have known, before he ran up to the Ethiopian eunuch's chariot, was that the treasurer of the country of Ethiopia was reading Isaiah. And as Philip approached, he realized that this powerful man of influence was reading a passage about Jesus, about his death, about his sacrifice. And so, reading the room, understanding the situation presented him, Philip asked the simple, straightforward, honest question, do you understand what you're reading? And the conversation goes from there and leads to the Ethiopian's baptism. Philip didn't set the table here. He didn't do the groundwork. It was God that did all of that. It was God who led the Ethiopian to Isaiah and to that passage. It was God who directed Philip to this location. And it was God through the Holy Spirit that gave Philip the words to say and the confidence to do so. For the Lord prepares the heart. He prepares the heart of the one who will receive the word. And he prepares the heart of the one who will proclaim the word. The Lord prepares the heart. It's something he does. It's it's not something that we do. We don't know how God is moving in the hearts around us. But we know that he is moving. And that he is calling us to the harvest. That he is calling his people to be part of his mission to bring about his kingdom. Sometimes trusting the spirit is hard because it can feel subjective, right? And there's some truth and and a real danger associated with that. We know what God said and how he calls us. It's in the Bible. We know what Jesus said and did and and how he has instructed and set an example for us. That's also in the Bible. But the Holy Spirit feels different. In fact, it's the whole like feeling thing that in some ways can make the Holy Spirit or at least our interactions with him a little more scary. Maybe a little less trustworthy. Our emotions, our feelings are fickle. They're subjective. They're attached to humans. And, you know, we mess things up all the time. So, so how do we deal with that? We ask ourselves, did, did God really tell me to do this? Or is, is this just me? So now I'm trying to do it on my, on my own power. And that means failure. And oh no, it's all going to blow up my face. And I'm going to look foolish. I'm going to look bad. And the danger is that people can start to trust what they believe to be the Spirit leading over and above what it says in the Bible. The truths that that Scripture has laid out for us. We can start to say, like, ah, you know, that just doesn't really sound like God to me, so that can't actually be real. That doesn't sound like what what God would say. That doesn't sound like a God of love. That doesn't sound like, so this, this can't actually be what's going on. Or, or we can get to a point where we say, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm supposed to, like, you know, I, I think God is telling me that I need to, like, leave my spouse and, and go and do this because that's just what I feel like the Holy Spirit is saying. Subjectiveness, it's, it is a little scary. It is a, a danger that we need to be careful of. John Piper, a well-known pastor and author from Minneapolis, Minnesota, tells this story about dealing with this dilemma. 
He says, I asked a pastor once whose people were experiencing some of this extraordinary guidance, right? Listening to the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit directing them. And he asked the pastor, has the effect been to draw them away from the Bible? Is the excitement of receiving some special direction from the Lord making Bible reading seem dull and unattractive? And his answer was, no. If anything, their experience is driving them to their Bibles more and more. Not only for discernment, but also because they have discovered that there is a direct correlation between having the mind steeped and saturated with Scripture and being sensitive to the voice of the Spirit. They have discovered that there is a direct correlation between having the mind steeped and saturated with Scripture and being sensitive to the voice of the Spirit. If people are neglecting meditation on Scripture in favor of impressions and special words, you can be sure that their spiritual faculties will not be well-tuned to hear the truth. Whenever we are feeling a nudge that we believe to be the Holy Spirit, take it to the Bible. Take it to Scripture. Go to the Word of God for discernment. The Holy Spirit and His nudges, they will not contradict Scripture. It will not go against or change anything in the Bible. It will not give us a better lens by which we can understand the Bible. But it may call us into uncomfortable situations. In fact, it will likely do that. Think of Philip. Think of what the Spirit called him to do, to give the gospel to and baptize an Ethiopian. That may not seem like a big deal to us, but at the time, this would have been a huge deal. I mean, think about it. Paul, the man who God called specifically to the Gentiles, the people that were not Jews, to bring the word of God to all the non-Jewish peoples, was still persecuting the church at this time. He wasn't evangelizing the Gentiles yet. He wasn't even a Christian yet. And Peter had not yet received his vision of the animals and the sheet and been convicted that the gospel was not just for the Jews and then gone to Cornelius and baptized him. This is Philip. What are the guys they put in charge of the daily distribution? He wasn't one of the apostles. He didn't personally possess much authority in the church at that time. And God called him led him and guided him and directed him to the Ethiopian, a Gentile. And God led him to baptize this Gentile, even though everything in their tradition would have said he shouldn't. Philip acted in a radical way, and he did it because he was trusting in the Spirit. He responded to the call of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit still calls us to action today. Martin Lloyd-Jones, yeah, Martin Lloyd-Jones, in his book, The Sovereign Spirit, writes this. If you read the history of the saints, God's people throughout the centuries, and especially the history of revivals, will find that, there is, that this is something which is perfectly clear and definite. Men have been told by the Holy Spirit to do something. They knew it was the Holy Spirit speaking to them, and it transpired that it was obviously, that it obviously was his leading. 
It seems clear to me that if we deny such a, spot, such a possibility, we are again guilty of quenching the Spirit. So again, I ask the question, do we trust in the Spirit? I mean, the reality is that because of the sin in our lives, because of our brokenness, because we are human, we will never be able to trust perfectly. The only reason that we can trust at all is because of Jesus. It is God that gives us faith, as Leah said this morning. And it is because of Jesus that we have the ability to trust in the Holy Spirit at all. And man, I pray that we would. That we would listen as the Spirit calls us to mission. That we would know the Scriptures. That we would study, that we would immerse ourselves in the Bible and lean on them for discernment when it comes to the leading of the Spirit. That in the Spirit and through the leading of the Spirit, we would be used to do mighty things for God in His mission. That people would come to saving faith in Christ through the work of the Spirit that the Spirit is doing in us and through us in the community. Our God does not change. The spirit that worked in Philip back on that road from Jerusalem to Gaza is the same spirit that is with us today, that is working through us today. For our God is able. He prepared our hearts for his word, broken and sinful people that we are. And it wasn't because of how awesome we may think that we are. It wasn't because of how high our moral standards might be. We could not prepare our hearts on our own. He has done that work. He conquered sin and death on the cross. He did the work. He made a way to reestablish a relationship with us, a sinful people. We have been reconciled to God in Christ, not because of our own works. He prepared our hearts. And just as he is preparing, no, sorry, and just as he prepared our hearts to receive the truth of his word, so he is preparing the hearts of those around us. God loves all of us. Those in this building and those outside this building equally. He loves all of us. And he desires that all of us be saved, that all of us spend eternity with him in heaven. He is preparing hearts. We simply trust that he is able and that he has moved in the hearts he is calling and preparing. And we move forward in his strength and we trust in the work of the Holy Spirit. We move forward trusting that God has called us, trusting that he can do all that he has promised and trusting in the Spirit. Amen. As we respond this morning.